$12,721.89. That's the most expensive perfume in the world in 2018. That's for a single ounce. For those of you men who are having your anniversaries this month, you may want to think about what you're going to purchase. And when you think about the most expensive perfume available, that pales in comparison with an alabaster flask of oil of spikenard. This morning, I want to ask the question, could Mary have not chosen a cheaper perfume? What we're going to do in the next few minutes, if you will, we're going to talk about the anointing of the body of Jesus by Mary in Bethany. There are three passages of Scripture which address this passage or address this uh, event. Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 3, going through verse 9. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. If you take all three of those accounts and you harmonize them together, you come away with a great appreciation of the event that occurred. I want to go back and I want to read carefully and slowly Mark's account for you. Mark said, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you that wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. That's a very powerful passage of reading. Here's what we're going to do. We're really going to have two major points. The first one is going to be an examination of the text. And 
Here's how we're going to examine the text by the various steps of it. We're going to talk about the context. We're going to talk about her compassion. We're going to talk about the cost. We're going to talk about the complaint. And then the Lord's condemnation of or commendation of Mary. And that will, I think, take us a little bit of time. But then there's the second part of the lesson. And that is where we explore our attitudes. Have you ever heard the phrase, you need an attitude adjustment? There's times I do. And I would presume that each of us need an attitude adjustment from time to time. If after examining the text, you and I see we ought to change our attitudes, and hopefully we will. Let's begin by looking at the context. The time, according to John, is six days before the Passover. He says in John 12, 1, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. The Lord had been in Galilee and had made his journey toward Jerusalem for the Passover. He's going to arrive a week early. He's going to arrive on Saturday. And he goes to the home of his very, very dear friends, and that is Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We're introduced to Mary and Martha back in Luke chapter 10. They're two sisters. They have different approaches. Martha is the one who's always wanting to serve. Mary's the one who's just hanging on every word that Jesus said. And they had a brother named Lazarus. John chapter 11, we're introduced to Lazarus where he is the one that Jesus raised from the dead. But he was described as the Lord's friend. We learn from this text that Simon hosted a meal for the Lord. The Lord has arrived He is much in every sense of the word a dignitary. But Simon evidently has an appreciation for the Lord because he says he is Simon the leper. Not just a leper, but the leper. You do know what the Bible teaches that a man who was a leper must do if someone approaches. They have to cover themselves and they have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Don't come near me. I may have a disease that you can catch. But here they're sitting at the table together. It's very clear that Simon has been healed. In fact, Luke 22, 7-22, Jesus answered and said to them, Go tell John the things which you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. That's a part of the work that Jesus did when he was here. He raised dead people. He healed people who couldn't walk. And people who had leprosy, he cleansed them. And according to chapter 17, verses 11 through 14, there was an occasion when Jesus cleansed ten lepers. Hmm. Is it possible that Simon is one of those ten? It's possible. We don't know. Well, we know Simon was the leper. We're also told, according to John chapter 12, verse 2, they made him, that is, Jesus, a supper, and Martha served, that's not strange at all, and Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. So we know we have 
Simon and we have Lazarus and we have Jesus. Oh, you can imagine. Here's two examples of the Lord's handiwork. Dropping down to verse 9 now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but also that they might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. You remember, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Can you imagine seeing someone raised from the dead after having been that long? Yes. The second thing that you see in this context is a compassion, a concern. You have Mary, who is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, was extremely appreciative. And at the same time, she was concerned. For what was she so thankful? All you have to do is go back to John chapter 11. In verses 28 through 35... You have Jesus as he's arriving at Bethany. Martha's going to go out and greet the Lord first. But then Martha's going to come back and she's going to tell Mary, the Lord wants to see you and Mary is going to enthusiastically run out to meet the Lord. Look what you find there. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and he's calling for you. And as soon as she heard, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house, comforting her, when they saw Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet and saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, look at the the faith that she has in Jesus. If you had been here, you could have stopped what was happening. Verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Yes, Jesus was touched in his spirit because he loved Lazarus, his friend. But you remember Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. You get to verse 45. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed in him. I want you to to see Mary's appreciation for what Jesus has done in raising Lazarus from the dead, but that's not all. She's preparing Jesus' body for burial. Now, sometimes it's easy to miss this very important point. Note with me verse 7 of John 12. But Jesus said, let her alone, she has kept this. For the day of my burial. You see Mary had bought this earlier. She knew the Lord's time was almost up. It's been kept for this very purpose. Matthew said for in pouring this fragrant oil on my body. She did it for my burial. Mark 14 8. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. What is taking place is 
She knows Jesus is going to die. And she's giving the flowers while he's alive, so to speak. She's anointing his body. Now you get to the the issue that's really sort of at the crux of all this. The cost. Matthew says that it was a costly, fragrant oil. John said it was very costly oil of spikenard. And Mark says it could be sold for more than 300 denarii. Now, how much is a denarii? That was a daily wage. When you look at the taking away of 52 Sabbaths, because you would not work on the Sabbath, this is roughly a year's salary. Now, if you'll remember, when I began the lesson, I gave you the figure. You remember how much it was? $12,721 and... 89 cents. You think how much you made last year. A year's salary. Mary gave a very expensive gift. Did you make 40,000, 60,000, 80,000 last year? You think about how much Mary gave in the giving of this. Imagine saving a large sum of money to purchase an alabaster flask of oil of spikenard and the cost of it. Immediately after she started doing this, there was complaints. Listen to Matthew 26. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, Why this waste? I want you to pause for the the very word waste. In their ideas, what was taking place was useless, worthless, being wasted. For this fragrant oil might have been sold for so much and given to the poor. John tells us who the ringleader of the complainers were. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And Mark's account says they criticized her sharply. They're looking at Mary and they're saying, Mary, why did you waste that? That was valuable. Why did you do that? They were unhappy with the extravagance of it all. Couldn't she have chosen a cheaper perfume? Could she not have gone out and found something that didn't cost so much and used that? Why not spend that money on the poor? Well, it doesn't make sense to do that. Why couldn't we give that money to the poor? Now Judas saw the money as something he could steal. John goes on to tell us in verse 6, This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box and used to take what was put in it. Now let's look at the commendation. The Lord's appraisal of what Mary has done 
Verses 6 through 9, he said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. You have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do good to them. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. Then the Lord says, wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be spoken of as a memorial for her. He said, you look at Mary. He defended her. She's done what she could. She had a righteous purpose. She knew the Lord was going to die. That's something the apostles didn't all get. She knew what was going to happen. And this is going to be a memorial. And that's the reason why this Sunday morning in 2018, we still talk about Mary and what she did on that Saturday. Now, I may step on some toes. In fact, I'm probably going to step on some toes. At least on this side of the pulpit anyway. Let's talk about the context of our world. We looked at their context. We live in an extravagant society that sees religious giving as too extravagant, too much. You see, you look at us. Look how much money most of us are going to spend in a little while when we go to a restaurant. Or you fix a big meal at home. Look how much money you and I will spend this month for entertainment. Our satellite, our cable, our internet, our movies, our music. Oh, We spend hundreds of dollars for frivolous things. And yet when you start talking about religious, oh, that's that's expecting too much. I want you to listen to Haggai chapter 1. Here's what's happened. The children of Israel have been in captivity to Babylon. Cyrus The Persian has come along and he's told everybody, you can go back home now. Not only you Jews can you go back to Jerusalem, but here is money to build the Lord's house in Jerusalem. In 536 B.C. they returned to Jerusalem. They started by laying the foundation and then a little bit of opposition arose and they quit for 16 years. God sent the prophet Haggai to tell the people, you need to build my house, and here's the way he put it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has not come, the time to build the Lord's house shall be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Okay, now pause here with me for just a second. When it comes to our homes, we don't mind putting granite countertops and ceramic tiles. We don't mind beautiful bathrooms and new furniture. But when you come to the Lord's house where we meet together, do we say, 
we can get by with less? Could Mary have not chosen a cheaper perfume? He goes on to say, you need to consider your ways. You start looking. You bring in a lot, but it shows for little. He said, why? Because I blew it away, says the Lord of hosts. He said, you look and see. It looks like we're doing well, but it doesn't seem like we're getting ahead. Could there be an explanation for that? The attitude of the world sometimes starts to rub off on us to say, do things for yourself, but don't worry about the Lord. Don't worry about His church. The context of our society today is telling us that the Lord and the church are not that important. Let's think about Mary and her appreciation and her compassion that she had for the Lord. You see, her generosity grew out of her gratefulness. Hmm. Are you grateful for what the Lord has done for you? Listen to Luke 17. So Jesus answered and said, Were not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? You had ten people who were cleansed of leprosy. You know how many came back to thank the Lord? One. And he asked the question, where are the nine? Am I in the category of the one or am I in the category of the nine? In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15, Paul would say, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Here's what Mary saw. She saw her brother raised from the dead. She saw the Lord dying for the sins of mankind. And she was thankful enough that she wouldn't settle for lesser perfume. Let's talk about the cost just a second. How much are you willing to sacrifice and give to the Lord? Had you been in Mary's place, and don't misunderstand, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus could not have been very, very poor people because you wouldn't have been able to do what they did. But how much would you yourself be willing to give in honor? I want to use a couple of illustrations from the Old Testament. In 1 Chronicles 21, verse 24, then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for thee full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings of that which cost me nothing. You see, what Ornan had said is, David, you need this threshing floor to be able to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Good, it's yours. You need sacrifices to offer. You see these Cattle over here, these bullocks, they're yours. And David said, no, I won't do that. Why not? I'm not going to give the Lord something that doesn't cost me something. I am going to pay the full price for it. I am going to give. David understood the concept of sacrifice. 
in Luke 21, 1 through 4. And he looked and saw the rich putting in their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. You look at this woman. Who gave the most? It's not just the fact that the alabaster flask of ointment cost 300 denarii. But it's the fact that Mary said, I'm going to sacrifice for the Lord. What's our attitude about this? How much will we give to the Lord in our lifetime? How much will we give now? Will we put money aside for the Lord? The Bible tells us to. Okay, let's talk about the complaint for just a little bit. Now listen carefully. Some are selfish with what others are giving. We can't spend the money for that. Well, you didn't give it. Oh, but I, I, I put my two cents in. I can tell how I feel. When it comes to doing the Lord's work, oh, it costs too much for that project. Let me tell you something. It's going to cost approximately $20,000 to go to Costa Rica for a group of people in about a month to go. I don't know what you said in your heart or may have said to other people, but I do know what a lot of people think from time to time. That's a whole lot of money to spend for people to go down to Costa Rica. Well, the question is, what are they going there for? I can assure you, this time of year is not a vacation. It's extremely hot down there. But I know what these people are going for. They're going to teach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And some of you may not have even given a penny for it, but you said, boy, I don't, I don't think that's a good way to spend the money. When you go to Mark, or excuse me, Luke chapter 8, verse 3, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others provided for him, that is Jesus, from their substance. And yet there are people who criticize the money that was given to take care of the Lord. We have this idea somehow that the place where we worship should not be the best. That we can get by with just something a little less. For just a minute, let's listen to Exodus chapter 28 verses 2 and 40. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, for your brother, for glory and beauty. Oh, you mean they're supposed to look nice for beauty? Yes. Verse 40, and Aaron's son, you shall make tunics and you shall make sashes for them and you shall make hats for them for the glory and beauty. Came time to build the temple, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. This is the foundation which Solomon laid for the building of the house of God. The length was 60 cubits, 
the cubits according to the former measure, and the width was 20 cubits. The vestibule that was in the front of the sanctuary was 20 cubits long across, and the width of the house, and the height was 120, and he overlaid the inside with cheap plastic. Pure gold. The larger room he paneled with cypress and overlaid it with fine gold. And he carved palm trees and chain work on it. Oh, I thought it wasn't supposed to be special. Oh, but it is. He overlaid the doors with gold. Could it be that sometimes our complaints are motivated by greed. We want that money for ourselves. And if it costs a lot, like Mary's ointment here, oh, we can't do that because if Mary gives that, then I'm going to have to step up to the plate. I'm going to have to be working. Well, I've got to talk about the commendation here real quickly. In Matthew 25, verse 21, with regards to the parable of the talents, the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You know what you've done? I gave you a little and look what you did with it. I'm going to bless you even more. Mark 10, 28 through 30. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. And Jesus said to him, answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. What was Jesus saying to Peter? Peter said, Lord, we've given it all. He said, you are not going to outgive God. God will take care of you. I've got to ask a question. As you and I look at our own attitudes... Would God either correct us or commend us? You see, he corrected the apostles, including Judas. And he commended Mary. Could Mary have not chosen a cheaper perfume? Sure she could have. But she didn't want to. She didn't desire to because she loved the Lord. She wanted to show her appreciation. Could you and I get by with a little lesser commitment? Well, sure we can. When it comes to our attendance, can you get by and say, well, I, you know, Sunday morning pretty good for me. Could we get by with a little less study? Maybe, you know, just occasionally pick up our Bible and read a verse or two? Well, yeah, well, I can get by with that. And our giving? I don't want to. I want to give the Lord the best I've got. 
Luke 14, 33, So likewise, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Here's what the Lord is asking from you. Here's what the Lord's asking from me. Would you listen to the phrase that the Lord used with regards to Mary? She has done what she could. The Lord's not expecting one thing from you that you cannot do. But the Lord is expecting from you what you can do. And the challenge is, do you want to? We're going to sing the song of invitation, I have a Savior. He can be your Savior too. If you're not a Christian, believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Him and be baptized and be added to His church. Be a part of His kingdom and be loyal, be serving, be a Mary. And if you're a Christian, you look at your life and you say, you know what, it's just a mess. Because I've not been following the Lord. I know that. That's why you and I can pray together. Would you come as together we stand and sing?